Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. So when your kid's behavior is baffling and yours is too, sometimes, yeah, I know. Let's take a break from all the bamboozle here on the baffling behavior show. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Baffling Behavior Show or the podcast formerly known as Parenting After Trauma. I am delighting myself this morning as I I don't always listen to the little jingles I sit down to record. Sometimes I just go to where I need to go to, hit record, but um, I listened to it this morning and I am so delighted by the fact that I found a way to use bamboozle in a jingle for my podcast, I really love the word bamboozle, and I hope this is also bringing a smile to your face as well. If you are new here to the Baffling Behavior Show, we are so happy you've joined us. In this podcast, we take the relational neuroscience of, of being human right the the relational neuroscience of of behaviors and our social relationships and our emotional world and and I work really hard to translate all of that to make it make sense for those of us who are parenting or in relationship with kids or even people with these vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. If you're not sure what I mean by vulnerable nervous systems, I have a podcast episode all about that. I actually just replayed it. So you don't have to scroll back too far in your podcast app to find the vulnerable nervous system episode. Otherwise, I'll put a link to the original episode down in the show notes as well. If you're listening to this episode the day or the week that it comes out, the club is open for new members right now. And if you are in a spot where you feel like you could use a little extra support, a little extra co-regulation, a little extra community from folks who get it, and of course, the opportunity to connect with me and pick my brain, I'm very, very active in the club. I'm in there every day. I respond to almost every message in the forum and lead the vast majority of the live events. We'd love to have you. If you're finding this episode at a later time, the club might not be open right now, but you can go to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and we will let you know as soon as it is open. Today, let's talk about when silliness is a sign of dysregulation. 
This can be a confusing one because it can start off looking cute or fun or playful and either it like shifts over into something that all of a sudden just isn't really fun anymore or it kind of never really was fun from the very beginning, but you couldn't really put your finger on exactly what was wrong, right? There wasn't physical aggression. There wasn't rude language. There wasn't a lot of the more kind of traditional fight watchdog behaviors. And then it can feel a little tricky to put our fingers on the fact that like, oh yeah, this is watchdog behavior too. This is protection mode. This is dysregulation. And silliness absolutely can emerge from a nervous system that's in protection mode. Remember, right, that the nervous system has these two sides, connection mode or protection mode. And when the nervous system is in connection mode and it's experiencing mostly cues of safety, playfulness can emerge from what we would maybe call a mixed state or a hybrid state. I picture it as like the owl and the watchdog playing together in safety in connection. Because if we break the metaphor a minute, remember, sympathetic activation isn't only fight or flight. Sympathetic activation simply means activation, mobilization, energy. It is when the neuroception shifts to danger that sympathetic activation is going to shift into fight, flight, protective energy. And so let's go back to the metaphor. We can have the owl brain, owl pathway, bring safety and connection to the energy that the watchdog brings. And we can have the owl and the watchdog play together and be connected in safety and connection, but with some energy and activation, like play, for example. But the behavior of something that looks like playfulness or silliness absolutely can emerge from a nervous system that's in protection mode. And this is where we start to see this playfulness, silliness, that it's not, it's just not really feeling very good. It's not feeling very connected. You are feeling maybe a little bit reserved or a little reticent, or maybe there's this feeling of like, what's going on here? Like this should be fun, but it doesn't actually feel fun. So we might be seeing again, like these behaviors of playfulness and silliness, but instead of coming from a nervous system in connection mode, they're coming from a nervous system in protection mode. So how do we tell the difference? I have found that the best way for me to tell the difference is by paying attention to how I feel and then getting curious about that because being with somebody who's in protection mode doesn't feel great. I don't typically want to lean into being with them. I don't necessarily want to like heighten those feelings of connection. There can be a sense of, uh, I don't really want to be here. 
or oh, I wish this would stop, or, or maybe even it can move all the way into like a disgust feeling. And I know most of us are pretty reluctant to admit that sometimes we feel like yucky or disgust towards other people, but especially our kids. But what I would love to encourage you to do is, again, to see that as information, just like your kids' behaviors is information, so are yours, right? And so when we feel kind of this like disgust, rejecting, get away kind of sensations, we can pause and get curious, is my child in protection mode? It, it could be that they're not, right? It could be that we're feeling especially sensitive or vulnerable and anybody attempting to connect with us in a playful way even is going to be met with our kind of defensive energy or getaway energy because we're just not feeling it, right? So certainly those kinds of feelings, disgust, irritation, confusion, certainly could be about our nervous system being in connection mode or I'm sorry, in protection mode and not theirs. But it's a great place to just get extra curious. If you're feeling kind of disgusted, irritated, confused by behavior that could be labeled silly or playful, this is a great moment to pause and say, "Mm, is this about me? Am I just like not feeling you know, open to playfulness right now? Or is this about the fact that my kid's behavior is actually sending mixed messages, right? There's this like playful quality kind of, but also it feels yucky. Like if if maybe it feels kind of like frantic or, or right on the edge. Another thing to cue into actually could be the rhythm of the energy connection mode energy tends to have a rhythm to it, a fluidity to it. So even if it's high, high, high energy, there's still a rhythm or a fluidity to it. Whereas energy that's coming from protection mode doesn't have that same rhythmic fluid quality. It can feel like arrhythmic. It can feel kind of jerky or disjointed. Um, It can feel irregular, right? And so that's another great way to notice, hmm, is this coming from protection mode or connection mode? My dear, dear friend, colleague, and friend, Marty Smith, offers us a lot about noticing the rhythms and the energy of our kids' behaviors. Marty's an occupational therapist. She wrote the book, The Connected Therapist, which is a fantastic book for parents that looks at the sensory system. And I'm not talking about this being for parents of kids with like sensory processing disorder. All of our kids have sensory systems. All of us have sensory systems, right? And so learning how to be familiar with those and connected with those is really um, important and can really demystify some confusing behavior. So if you haven't read Marty's book, The Connected Therapist, I highly, highly, highly recommend you do that. It also is actually offered as a bonus to folks in the club. So if you 
uh, are in the club or if you're hoping to join the club, just know that that's a bonus that's available for all club members. And I highly recommend that as a resource. Okay, so let's get back to silliness as a sign of dysregulation. So gave you some things to kind of look for that can suggest to you, hmm, this is uh, not really playful, right? This silliness is really not silly. This is just information about dysregulation. I would call this, if we're going to look at the watchdog pathway as having both fight and flight behavior, right? Fight behavior is when we kind of use our arms and our legs to kind of go at the stressor, right? Whereas flight behavior is where we would use our arms and our legs and our energy to get away from the stressor. And so silliness, I tend to see as a flight behavior that is more energetically fleeing than actually physically fleeing. And so oftentimes this happens when physically fleeing maybe isn't possible, And the silliness can be this energetic flight, which could be from this external, you know, stressor, something in the environment or relationship, but also could be from an inner stressor that sometimes kids as a way to avoid feeling hard feelings. uh, Also, adults do this too. Um, This is a great strategy I employ, actually. Um, Sometimes we will flight, right? We will flee from our own inner stressors, inner feelings of being uncomfortable. And that can emerge as this dysregulated, silly, pseudo playfulness. Now, because silliness does have this kind of pseudo playful feeling, the, the very best way I have found to kind of be with this energy and to help it shift more into connection mode is through play and playfulness. Playfulness, again, is sympathetic activation. It's mobilized energy, but with safety and connection. So I have lots of thoughts and ideas I'm going to offer up to you in this episode. I'm going to direct you to places you can get more thoughts and ideas. And I also want to say, listen, y'all, your mileage may vary on these kinds of ideas. Y'all are probably all familiar with that kind of space of playfulness going either way. Right, playfulness sometimes is can be well received, and sometimes playfulness on our part as a way to bring connection and safety to our kids is not well received at all. Right, it can one increase the dysregulation, right? And so, this like I'm the edge silliness, like goes like totally over the edge, right, into total out of control silliness. So, that can happen, um, but also playfulness can be experienced by the dysregulated nervous system as maybe mocking, uh, right? Like it's just perceived negatively because of the nervous system already neuroceiving danger and being in protection mode. So again, your mileage may vary. The thing about play and playfulness and kind of trying to lean into our kids' dysregulation in this way is that it's all about experimenting. It's all about trying something and seeing what happens next and trusting that even if what happens next is it bad, that you'll still find a way out of this, that you'll still eventually move through 
the dysregulation. So you kind of have to be brave enough to try. And, and trust what you know about kid, your kid, that some of the things I'm going to suggest, you're going to know immediately like, oh no, like that would totally dysregulate my kids. So for example, I talk a lot about balloons. Balloons were probably like the most utilized um, thing prop in my uh, play therapy room. And for some kids, even seeing a balloon, like tipped them over the edge into like out of control, maniacal dysregulation. So I would say probably like 90% of the kids I worked with balloons were a super great way to help co-organize and co-regulate movement and energy. But for some kids, it was it was absolutely the wrong choice and strategy. And y'all, I didn't know that till I tried it, right? We're not mind readers. So we kind of have to try things or we have to know what we know about our kids and trust that you know that about your kids. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order, and I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingoblecom slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe, and then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. So if you have read Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, or you've been in a training of mine or you're in the club and you've done these trainings in the library, you might remember that the first level of activation on the watchdog pathway that watch that what's up watchdog still has some connection to the owl brain. And so we might be able to get away with using some ways of offering connection and safety and co-regulation that utilize the owl brain. So utilize words or language. So if you've got some, you know, low level dysregulated silliness one thing you might try is to engage with your child, respond to them using words and language, but to do it in a silly, playful way. And then you might even ask them to match you the way that you're responding to them. And so what are some examples of silly, playful ways to still use language with our kids? Uh, talking like a whale, right? Like thinking back to Finding Nemo and talking whale-like, right? Or getting really quiet and talking in a whisper or talking short and really clipped like this, you know, or maybe talking super, super loud or singing all your words to your kids, right? So you can still use some of these What's Up Watchdog ideas, right? And again, head to the book or to the trainings or to the club library to get real specific on those. Um, and, and But utilize silliness as you 
kind of try to implement some of those strategies. I think the technique of doing something really silly or unexpected can be helpful for our kids. Like anytime our kids are expecting one thing and instead something outrageous happens, that can be really helpful in kind of inviting their nervous system back into connection and safety and regulation. My guess is what's happening in the brain is this big like neurochemical dump because of the surprise and because of the unexpected and that invites in some regulation. I'm going to tell you all, this is not my go-to strategy because I'm bad at this. I, believe it or not, am not super creative in the moment and I'm not super inherently playful in the moment. I need like a, a a word bank of sorts and then I can maybe kind of draw on them, but I'm not super creative in the moment. I do, however, have a colleague who is really, really gifted at coming up with these unexpected ideas. And I haven't asked her yet, but I'm going to ask her if she'll be a guest on the podcast and um, connect with y'all and offer up some of her kind of silly, unexpected ways that she has um, played around with that have at times brought some regulation um, to an otherwise very dysregulated situation. When I'm thinking about silliness as dysregulation, remember I said that dysregulation brings in a disruption to the, our body rhythms, right? So our movements tend to get less rhythmic. Our breathing even gets less rhythmic. And one way then to help intensity and activation move into regulation and connection is to help co- what I would call co-organize, to bring rhythm and um, regulated movement to the arrhythmic or dysregulated movement. For here, I really turn to Dr. Bruce Perry's work and his teachings on rhythmic, repetitive, relational, somatosensory experiences, which one, help to strengthen and co-organize and regulate these lowest parts of the brain, right? Think about teeny tiny babies who still like we're really working on um, strengthening and, and regulating the the very lowest parts of their brains, like their brain stem and their autonomic nervous system, right? We do a lots of rhythmic, repetitive, relational somatosensory experiences with babies rocking, bouncing, things like that, right? And so as our kids get older, we can still lean into the concepts of rhythmic, repetitive, relational somatosensory, which is fantastic because lots of play-based activities and experiences are exactly that, rhythmic, repetitive, relational somatosensory. So what could that mean? Maybe you're a silly kid, you could invite into um, a dance competition or you could invite into doing some jumping jacks and it could start silly and then move into being a little bit more rhythmic. This is where we could pick up a balloon, a blow a balloon because blowing balloons actually can be pretty regulated as long as you're capable of blowing a balloon and you're not allergic to them. Blowing balloons requires a lot of... um, 
strength, right? And so for some kids, blowing balloons is really dysregulating because they can't do it and that's super frustrating. But blowing up a balloon and having all that breath can be regulating. Playing balloons and getting involved in something that's rhythmic, repetitive, relational can be so helpful. I used to keep balloons seriously just at arm's reach and I would just sort of lob them over to a kid Balloons don't travel very hard or fast, so they're not going to hurt a child if the child doesn't like receive it, right? And it's not going to hurt me for the most part if a client, if a child like, you know, whips it back in my face, like a ball could hurt, right? So balloons always felt like mostly a safe thing to experiment with. And sometimes when I would toss a balloon to a child, they would kind of toss it to themselves, right? Like they'd get in this kind of rhythmic, um, game where they're just playing with the balloon themselves and it's becoming kind of rhythmic as they're using their hands to keep the balloon in the air. And then sometimes then that could turn into a more like back and forth um, balloon game. So many things that kids like to do and play with or do outside have a rhythmic repetitive relational somatosensory quality to it. Like running, jumping, skipping, playing ball, doing pogo sticks. I mean, there's so many things that if you pause for a second, look at them, you're like, oh, that's rhythmic, repetitive, relational, and somatosensory. Somatosensory just means a sensory system that um, is like the touch system, the proprioceptive system, the um, pressure as proprioception. I mean, it's a very oversimplified way of call, talking about proprioception, but the somatosensory is like the sensory system that is, um, you know, especially in your body, touch, pressure, those things. So back and forth games, and you can use other things for, I said, balloons, balls, um, feathers, cotton balls, bubbles. And y'all, anytime you do something that tends to be an outside thing and you do it inside, for example, like bubbles, that surprise and delight can be really helpful at bringing into regulation as well. Let me just give you a super important pro tip. Never, ever, ever, ever give bubbles to a dysregulated child. Hold the bubbles yourself, dip the wand yourself, and or, you know, use those like no spill bubble things, okay? But don't give bubbles to dysregulated kids. They're going to dump them out either on purpose or by accident, and then people are going to feel upset by that. Gross motor movement, like I said, running, jumping, animal walks, dancing, Right. Think about the ways we move our bodies on the earth and they have a rhythmic, repetitive, relational, somatosensory quality to them. And if you have a kid who's not very energetic or gross motor inclined, you can still use movement like like walking is rhythmic, repetitive, relational, somatosensory. If you're listening as a club member, I want to highlight to you that there is a training in the video library that we actually don't talk about very much because it wasn't a masterclass. It was a training I did for an outside organization and they allowed me to have it and use it in the club. So sometimes I kind of even forget that it's there. There's an entire six-hour training, y'all, in the club library about regulating the body with movement-based interventions. And I really think this is one of the best ways 
to co-organize and regulate that like silly, playful, that's not silly or playful kind of energy. I also have this two-page kind of infographic handout. Again, if you're listening and you're in the club, there's this two-page kind of infographic handout. It's like a play. I call it a play bank because again, y'all, I need ideas. Like I need like a word bank. So I have that um, as like a playful play bank. This way of being with our kids, this um, using movement to regulate dysregulation is a great time to practice matching the energy, but without the dysregulation. So there, I do have a podcast episode called that. It's episode 155 and it originally aired last October. And so you just have to scroll back a bit to get to the match the energy, not the dysregulation episode. And again, if you're listening in the club, we have a full hour long training um, on match the energy. That idea, that concept of matching the energy and having some activation in our body without joining our children's dysregulation, that idea, that technique is the perfect idea for dysregulation that comes out as silliness or pseudo playfulness. And it is a much more effective way to invite in and offer up regulation, connection, and felt safety than simply trying to get our kids to calm down. And I know when there's this kind of um, frenetic, frantic energy that our instinct is like, how do we get this energy under control? How do we get this energy down? How do we get them to quote unquote, calm down? Like that's my instinct and energy too. And I want you to think about um, approaching that energy as if you're kind of... um, spinning the jump rope for them and you're inviting them to take the energy that they have and simply move into a more rhythmic experience with that energy. So it's not the most perfect metaphor, but that really is what I think is I imagine myself like, you know, when we were kids and we would like set the tone for the jumper, right? We'd, we would move, spin the jump rope. I don't, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know why I'm blanking on it, right? But we'd move the jump rope in a really rhythmic way. And then our friends would try to jump into it and like join into the rhythm, right? And do it seamlessly. I think about that energy when I think about using this match the energy without the dysregulation approach. And especially for the playful, out of control, like dysregulation like that. That I want to match that energy. I want to help their... I'm not trying to change their energy. I'm trying to organize the rhythm of that energy. And I'm trying to do it in a way where we're working together. So that's why that jump rope metaphor and, and image of my brain sometimes helps. Now, once movements are rhythmic, right, it, it might actually feel good 
for y'all to stay energized and playful and high energy. It's generally speaking, not the high energy that feels bad. We think it's the high energy that feels bad, but it's not the high energy that feels bad. It's the dysregulation of the high energy that can feel bad. So sometimes parents find that once they get that energy a little more regulated, a little more organized, it feels fine to stay playful and energized. And and typically down-regulation, moving towards calm, will happen just naturally. You can also, once you're connected and co-organized and co-regulating with your child, you could offer some very deliberate, quote-unquote, down-regulating experiences like taking a deep breath, for example, or engaging in some um, nice proprioception, like giving self a hug or giving each other a hug, right? Sometimes we can be very intentional of then about offering up down regulating experiences, but we want to do that only after we're connected to one another. Now, maybe you have a child who isn't likely to move into big gross motor kind of energy. Like they, their natural proclivity isn't to move their bodies in really big ways. Um, and we can still use these same ideas, rhythmic, repetitive, relational, somatosensory, um, fun, co-organizing of the silliness and just do it with smaller movements, right? Like crafting, baking, right? That's rhythmic, repetitive, relational, somatosensory. Shaving cream in the bathtub, pulling out water beads, thumb wrestling, right? Like we can take the same concepts, but use smaller, less energy movement. Now, my very final way I'm going to suggest as a way to bring some co-organization and some regulating energy to silliness or that dysregulated fun that's not really fun. By the way, I'm not suggesting we need to stop silliness. I'm talking about dysregulated silliness. I'm sorry if I'm not being clear enough in that. Silliness is a great way to practice regulated intensity. Okay, silliness is a great way to practice it. So I'm not trying to stop silliness, but it's that like silliness that doesn't feel quite so fun, right, is really what I'm talking about. But one of my favorite ways to connect with kids who have this extra um, energy that's moving towards or tipping into dysregulation is by playing with lycra. You know, lycra, that stretchy kind of tight material that we make like under armor out of or leggings or bathing suits, right? That there are so many super fun ways to bring in lycra, generally speaking, because lycra is in, pretty inherently regulating for most folks, not for everyone, but for most folks, lycra is inherently regulating. Most of us are drawn to lycra play. Again, not all, but but most. Like when I teach, I have a movement workshop that I used to teach. And when I would bring out the lycra for the lycra play, the whole energy in the room went... <gasps> There was all this anticipatory. They couldn't wait to play with it. Um, And my friend, Marty, that I mentioned at the very, very beginning of this episode is the literally, okay, maybe not literally, but the Lycra queen. 
and she's kind of known for, well, what Marty's known for is, is taking normal household things and using them to support our kids and our bodies. Um, she is brilliant at that particular skill. Um, and specifically with Lycra. So while I was outlining this episode, I was sitting on an airplane while I was outlining this episode and I got to this part where I was like, oh, I'll talk about Lycra. And then I was like, wait a minute. Marty can talk about Lycra. So I texted Marty and I said, hey, would you come into the club and would you do a masterclass all about ways to use Lycra to support our kids? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that in March. Marty also does have some free resources on her website. Um, and I will put those in the show notes. And a couple of those are specific to Lycra. So if you're like, oh, I would love to learn about how to do Lycra, but you're also like, well, I'm not going to join the club. There's some free resources I'm going to direct you to. But if you want to dive in even further, get a lot of hands-on support, be able to connect with Marty, ask her questions. Marty participates in the forum and the club as well. Um, the club might be something you want to try out. The club is a monthly membership experience. So it's a, it's something that like recurs every month, but there's no, um, there, there's no requirements on how long you stay in the club. So you can come for one month and, and leave. Um, so Marty said, yes, we're going to in the club in March, do an entire hour all about using Lycra to invite play and connection and regulation and connection to our bodies. That was one of the things I, as a mental health therapist, noticed that was such a positive use of Lycra. And then I think it's overlooked by a lot of mental health therapists is this way that mental wellness involves being connected safely to our bodies. And playing with Lycra was such a lovely way to experiment with that and play around with that. I had an aerial yoga hammock hung in my office when I was a play therapist, Uh, body socks. I did, I mean, I just did so much with Lycra. So I have given you, I hope, a whole lot of ideas about one, how to kind of shift how we see that like kind of yucky silliness feeling, how we can see that as dysregulation, we can see that as watchdog energy, how we can kind of lean in to that energy and offer connection, co-regulation, co-organization. I've given you lots of resources and places you can go check stuff out, especially my friend Marty and also that Match the Energy episode. I'll make all of that stuff free and accessible to everyone. Well, Marty's book is not free, but um, it's inexpensive. It's probably $10, I think. Um, So I'll get all of that into the show notes. And if you want to dive even deeper into all of these ideas, you want some support around them, you want to be able to talk to others. And um, and again, this is just a teeny tiny bit of what's available over in the club, then we would absolutely love to invite you to come join us in the club. This is such a special place of connection and co-regulation for the adults. I mean, people come to get ideas about how to parent and we give lots of those, but, but, but they stay because they say there's no other place like this on the internet. They stay because they say, I, I can come here and be honest and be myself. And there's no, there's no judgment towards my kids. There's no judgments toward me yet. We are all still 
you know, holding each other to the standards of, of wanting to be in relationship with our kids through connection, co-regulation, and felt safety. So the club is a super magical place because of the members who come to the club and the care and love that that they give to one another. So if, we'd love to have you if you want to come check it out. Um, the, if you're hearing this episode between uh, February 27th and March 5th, the club is oh, 2024. The club is open. If you're hearing this episode at a different time, come check out robingobel.com slash the club. And if we're not open, you can get yourself on the waiting list. This was a very fun episode for me to outline and deliver. As you can probably tell, I just smiled through the whole thing. I love using movement and being with our kids with this rhythmic relational somatosensory energy as a way to help support regulation. It's not a cure-all. It's not going to always work, but it is something worth experimenting with. And I hope that just having a little more understanding will, you know, help encourage you to have the confidence to try some of these ideas with your kids. All right, y'all was wonderful to be with you again this week. As always, I will see you back here again next week for another episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. 
Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.